0: Well, hey Mosaic, it's good to see your faces, it's, I love it when you talk back to me, it makes me feel less alone. Uh, I'm excited about this morning, and if you're a guest, uh, my name's Aaron, and I'm one of the pastors. and Really excited you're here. This is week two of a new series that we're doing. And, you know, normally as we kind of transition to teaching time, uh, we kind of give you a question to kind of prime the pump, you know, kind of get you thinking in the direction of where we're going uh, this morning. And, I, and so I, I, want, I still want to do that, but I want to set up a little bit and do a little bit of an experiment. And so here's what, what I'm going to ask you to, to do and, and play along with is uh, for the every, I want to split the room kind of right down the half right here. And everybody who's over on my left. I want you to find somebody and greet them, right? But I want you to greet them with a complaint, all right? The the biblical word for that is grumble, grumbling. Uh, It's something that God really doesn't like. (laughs) Uh, And there's times, actually, in the Old Testament where God's like, man, I think I might wipe these people out. I'm so sick of their grumbling. But I talked to them. That's not going to happen this morning. Uh, I've gotten permission. So I want you, when you greet somebody, to to complain about something in your life. Uh, It could be your health, uh, your job, your lack of job. Uh, car troubles, money troubles, uh, the fact that you don't have a spouse, the fact that you do have a spouse, <laughs> uh, anything, all right, but a, a legitimate complaint, all right? And then everybody over here uh, to my right, I want you to, when you greet somebody, to greet them with a word of gratitude, right? And so take a second and just reflect a little bit. Think about something in your life that you're genuinely grateful for. Uh, maybe somebody who God has put in your life, Uh, Maybe a way that God has provided for you, blessed you for another day to live, for the opportunity to gather and worship and be with with friends uh, and family. Whatever that is, uh, just a legitimate uh, blessing. All right, so complaint, gratitude. All right, ready? All right, let's do it. Go ahead. All right, so for those of you over here on the complaint side, how many of you would say uh, you feel more vibrant, more alive, closer to God than you did pre-grumble? All right, so those of you who raise your hand, you have the spiritual gift of complaint. (laughs) And those of you over over here, how many of you would say, I feel more vibrant, more alive, closer to God, uh, just after expressing and receiving gratitude? Yeah? And how many of you would say, I would just like to complain that I was not over on that side of the room? (laughs) This morning, as we kick into the second week of this series we're doing called Seven Hebrew Words that Everyone Needs to Know, uh, I want to begin by introducing you to a word that's actually not a Hebrew word, but an English word. And a word that I would suggest to you that is arguably one of the ugliest words in the English language. I need to go ahead and throw that up there. And um, that's the word ungrateful. Like, doesn't that just feel like a dirty word? Maybe it makes you feel dirty or angry. Maybe uh, it's, maybe faces come to mind of people that you know who just seem to be really ungrateful all the time. Maybe some of that ungratefulness was directed at you, perhaps. Um, I want to sit on this for a second because there's something a little that's pretty interesting about just the idea of gratitude and, and being ungrateful. Um, I think most of us, regardless of where you fall in the spiritual spectrum or what you believe or don't believe about God, probably pretty much all of us can get on board with, we would, we would agree that we value gratitude. Like we would say, like, being a grateful person is a good thing. You know, nobody strives to be that, you know. Nobody says, like, man, I just want to be the least grateful person, <laughs> right? Nobody tries to do that, right? So we're all on the same page there. But the interesting thing about, about being ungrateful is that, uh, in my experience, we all value being grateful, but nobody thinks they're that. Nobody. Uh, it, it, there's something about, it's kind of like greed. You know, being, an, being ungrateful, um, it, it, it's almost impossible to see in the mirror, you know, and and it's and, and so nobody thinks they are. You know, in 15 years of, of doing uh, ministry, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people, but I and they, you know, they open up and they share things and confess things and different things. Uh, but I've never had a single person who said, "Aaron, can we sit down and talk? Like, I think I've got like an ungratefulness issue going on." You know, I've I've heard I have have heard husbands complain about their wife. You know, it's like she doesn't understand how hard, hard I work. She's she's not grateful for that. Uh, and I've heard wives say he's not he does not understand, he's not grateful for all of the things I have to do to make this home work. Forgive the gender stereotypes, but I have heard that. You know, but, but I've never had somebody who says, you know, I just think the world owes me so much that it's blocking my ability to, to be grateful. Uh, I think I'm not a grateful person. Right? And, and so it's, it's almost impossible to see in ourselves, but it's pretty easy to see in other people, isn't it? Especially those of us who are parents, huh? Um, very easy for us to to see and experience as parents. Uh, just about six months ago, I remember we had a, Megan cooked like this amazing spread for dinner and, uh, you know, it it was like one of, what about Bob? Just like, "Mm," you know, as you're eating, it's just like, oh my goodness, this is just fantastic. I love you so much. And there she is, everybody, my wonderful (laughs) wife. And, uh, she loves it when I do that. But I remember we got done eating, right? And, and I thanked Megan for the meal, but I didn't pick up on the fact that the, none of the kids did. But she did, you know? So she turns to one of our daughters and says, sweetie, don't you think you need to say thank you? And she said, why, mom? It's your job. Oh. Yes, yes. Uh, parents are feeling me, you know? Everything in the home comes to a hard stop in that moment, you know? And, and we're going to have a conversation, and make sure they hear every word that we're about to tell them. Uh, does it mean that they're horrible kids? Maybe, you know. <laughs> I don't think so, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, so we're investing in them, we're loving on them, we're teaching them, and, and they're going to get it eventually. But there is there's something in that sentiment that does not just find its way out of the human heart as we grow older. Right? And that is, that, that is the sense of entitlement. Right? Entitlement is the belief that... Uh, I am owed. The world owes me. The universe owes me. People owe me, right? I deserve this, right? And when I'm not getting the things that I feel that I deserve, that I'm due, uh, you know, people are at fault. God's at fault. The world's at fault. Something's wrong. We're ang- we get angry, bitter, uh, disillusioned, uh, upset. But man, we have this incredible ability to find ourselves into this place. It's, it's amazing to me how quickly we can feel entitled. I, I really wanted to show a clip this morning from Louis C.K. And if you know Louis C.K., a comedian, you also know why I couldn't show the video clip. Uh, he's rather colorful, and I'd get fired. Um, but there's this clip, and he's talking about uh, just how entitled, especially, I love millennials and Gen Z, but guys, we are the worst at this. Uh, and it's not your fault. It's just the culture that we live in. Uh, we have been taught that we the world just owes us and it should be easy and we should have it yesterday. And so Luis CK is telling the story. He sat on an airplane, this is years ago, uh, when having Wi-Fi on a plane was like a new thing, like an amazing new invention, like that we figured out. And they so they announced it to the passengers to say, hey, we have Wi-Fi on this flight, you know, And, and so go ahead and help yourself. It's free, you know. It's like, yeah, awesome. But then like 15 minutes later, they had to get on the intercom and they said, Hey, we're really sorry the Wi-Fi is down. And the guy next to him slams his laptop and says, "Well, this is BS, you know." And he just says, "Like wow, like how quickly the world owed him something, right?" And this fleshes up out in a lot of different ways, and there's a lot of funny examples I could tell you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna skip past those. But entitlement, it's it's just this belief that I'm owed something. And when I don't get it, it and here's, here's the thing, when we, when we do have it, when we're entitled, it destroys our ability to actually be a grateful person. All right? So, for example, this morning, if uh, I had the ability to go all Oprah up in here and be like, everybody is getting a car. Like, you know, we've had this amazing big gift. Somebody from our church wanted to do this for everybody, uh, and it's nice, and you didn't ask for it, but literally, no strings attached, here's a title and keys, Right? How do we respond to that? You know, like we're high fiving, we're hugging. You know what I mean? Like we, there will be worship up in here like you've never seen. You know, because uh, we're just—it's a gift. It's, it's we just are overwhelmed. Right? But but if you and I are having a transaction, and I say hey, you can have my car, you know, and you write me a check for what it's worth, or you give me a cash, an envelope full of cash for what it's worth, when I give you the keys and the title, you're not doing laps. Right? You're not overwhelmed with gratitude. Right, you paid for that. In fact, what happens when I don't give you the keys and the title and you gave me the money? Right, uh, We're going to be fighting, you know, because you feel owed that. And it destroys It destroys our ability to, to be thankful when we approach life in that way. And, and here's, here's why I think this is such, we just got to go here this morning. And why this is important for us. Um, for those of us who are, we've crossed that line of faith. And we are on this lifelong journey of being changed. Uh, by Jesus, to become more uh, like Him. For those of us who are on that journey, uh, we have to recognize when it comes to being ungrateful, lacking gratitude, uh, being feeling like the world like in, entitled to things. Uh, that's not just like a a psychological problem or some kind of emotional deficit. Um, that is that's that's sin. Uh, and it's one that, that man, that get, that it is like a gateway drug as far as sins are concerned, right? It, it is a poison to the human spirit, right? And it blocks our ability to live in a place of wonder, to be a people who are marked by gratitude, to, to be in a place, uh, a joyful person, a grateful person. Uh, it blocks all of that. And, and I think that's important. So we got to go after it is what I'm saying. But there's another reason I think this is so important for us to get. And that is, if you read the scriptures, uh, even if you've never studied the Bible, you really don't know, but you just do an elementary reading um, and you look for it, one of the things that the the scriptures are really clear on is not only can we not see ungratefulness in ourselves, in the mirror, but left to ourselves, this is where the human heart drifts, right? None of us accidentally find ourselves into a place of gratefulness and gratitude, Left to ourselves, if, if we don't go after it without God's help, that is inevitably what we become. And by the way, this is, if you look for this, So if you ever read the Old Testament and just start paying attention, there is this cycle from gratitude to ungratefulness that happens over and over and over again. And what happens is that God chooses his people for himself and he just blesses their socks off just pours out blessing and love and grace. They didn't do anything to deserve it. He just chooses to do that, right? And then use them to be a blessing to the nations. And that first generation, oftentimes, they, they get it, right? They, they do. They worship. They're, grat- they're grateful. But then slowly but slowly and surely, their heart starts to drift. And usually within a generation, especially when the next generation comes, right, all those gifts they feel entitled to, right? Maybe this is part of what explains us millennials and Gen, Gen Z, Right? They, they, they look at the gifts as like, well, I'm entitled to that. Right? And they forget the giver. Right? And then they start to disobey and do their own thing, and they want more. It's like, I, why don't we have that? Why don't we have that? I deserve that. I'm owed that. And they start to disobey, and then comes judgment. God just lets them have to deal with consequences of their sin. Right? And there's pain, there's hurt. Right? Sin always leads to death. And then they cry out to God. And God, in his good, loving kindness, you know, starts to bless them again and calls them back to himself. And, and they're worshiping again. And the cycle is over and over and over and over. And I would suggest to you that's not just the story of God's people in the scriptures. That's, that's our story if we're not careful. So here's what God does. Right? God starts to build in these rhythms and practices to make sure to fight against this drift. Right? To cause people to slow down and to remember all that God has given them, and, and to worship and thank Him for His many blessings. Right at the heart of all of that, what God is getting at is trying to create in us as individuals and as, as communities of faith what we might call a spirit of toda. All right, so say with me, toda, toda. Right, toda is the opposite of entitlement. Right? Toda' is the opposite of I deserve this, I earned that, I'm owed this. Right? Toda' is the opposite of ungratefulness. Toda' means thanksgiving. It means praise. It is to give thanks. To have a spirit of Toda is to live in this place of just constant, regular gratitude coming out of it. And this in this place is, is the heart. It is the, it is the heart of worship, which is perhaps why God is so serious about cultivating in his people this spirit of Torah uh, in us. So back then, what what would happen is is this. Every devout Jew had two kinds of of prayer, daily prayer that they would engage in. Uh, The first one is called uh, Shema. And we find it first in Deuteronomy for the first time. And you'll recognize these words if 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 you know the Gospels. Jesus doubles down on this. And it says this. This is what they would pray. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, right? Because he is the source of life and the source of every good thing that we have. So acknowledge him as God and worship him with everything you are. That's the first thing that they would pray. The second thing that they would pray every single day is what we call the 18. It was the 18 benedictions. Right? What they were, they were words and prayers of blessing, right? To center the heart and gratitude once again, right? So when you got up in the morning as a devout Jew, right, you would pray... Uh, the 18, right? Blessed, blessed are you, God, for all that you've given us and, and blessed us with, right? And then at midday, you would do it again. You pray through the 18, bless you, O God, for all you've given us and blessed us with. And then at the end of the day, you do the same thing. Thank you, bless you, God, for all that you've given us and, and blessed us with. Our rabbis would teach their followers then to get even more specific, in the ways that they're praying, just throughout the day, like just a rhythm of thankfulness and gratefulness and worship for what God has given, uh, and so they would they would get very specific. So they would teach their 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 talmudim, their disciples, to pray things like, "Bless you, O oh God, the God who heals the sick." Right? They say, "Look, I have a body. I have been sick before, and I am healthy. Thank you for that. Thank you for the ability to move and to think and to dance and to work." Right? Bless you, O oh God, for that. Right? They would pray, blessed are you uh, who sustains the living and raise the, raises the dead. Right? Blessed are you, God, for being my sustainer and for giving me hope that this life is not the only thing that there is. On Sabbath, uh, they didn't have to work, so they would pray the blessing, the 18, uh, an extra time, right? thanking God, the God who provides. It gives them the ability to work and the command uh, to rest, Right? And again, all of this is cultivating in them a spirit of Todah, acknowledging in their heart constantly that all is gift, all is grace. I am entitled to nothing. Bless you, God, for everything that you've given us. <clears throat> they, would have to, they would regularly gather at the temple uh, to pray, the 18 together. Uh, And so if you read through uh, the Gospels and you read through Acts, especially, uh, you start to read between the lines and you see this actually in the text. So for example, Acts 3, uh, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. right, this is the time that they gathered at the temple to, again, pray through the 18. The temple was this representation of God being present in their midst and working in the world. And they would say, thank you, God, for being in our midst and working in the world and letting us be a part of it. Every, every, every rabbi would teach them, their, their disciples, how to pray the 18 in their own kind of particular way. And so some of them would really expound on this. Uh, and some rabbis would actually, they'd summarize it down, the heart and spirit of the, of, of the 18. So when the disciples say, Jesus, rabbi, teacher, teach us how to pray, right, That's exactly what they're asking for, right? And what Jesus gives us, right, is the Lord's Prayer, uh, <clears throat> which is a summary Uh, Of the 18, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, blessed be your name. The early church, one of the practices that they would do was this Uh, they would pray the the Lord's Prayer together uh, three times a day a morning, a midday, and a night, right? Carrying this on. The the Lord's Prayer was the 18 uh, for the early church. Every meal was an occasion to express gratitude to the God who gives. In fact, rabbis were very big on this. It was like, you do not eat. And the early church was too. We do not eat until we thank the God who has helped put this food on the table. Uh, Some rabbis would teach, you know what, you need to eat, pray and bless God before you eat. And after you eat, before the food is digested, you need to bless him for that food that's in your belly. Every different item on the table had, had its own blessing. Right? And so you, when that bread was on the table, you blessed God. Thank you, God, for the bread. And when the figs came out, you said, God, bless you. Thank you for the figs. And when the wine came out, you said, God, thank you. Bless you. The wine. Thank you for the wine. And if you were lucky enough to have meat, you said, when, when the meat came out, you say, God, bless you. Thank you for the wine. In fact, the rabbis said this. They said, he who enjoys anything from creation, which is without blessing, commits misuse. Right, so all is gift. And Again, all of this was just to cultivate the spirit of gratitude, walking in a place of gratitude all the time. Right, and Jesus took this, and he actually instituted it in the church. There, in the Jewish tradition, there was a, a specific sacrifice called the Toda sacrifice. It was a Thanksgiving uh, feast and sacrifice, and it's it's interesting. Um, because this one was especially significant to the Jewish people and then a very interesting teaching and this is what the rabbis uh, said in the coming messianic age right after the messiah comes and the kingdom is inaugurated all sacrifices will cease right because Jesus the the messiah will fulfill right the law Jesus fulfills the law but the thank offering the tada offering will never cease See, a Todah offering was, um, if you were to get really sick, and it looked like you weren't going to make it, but then you turned the corner and your life was spared, or your life was saved in, an, in another way, and it looked like you were going to die, but then you lived somehow, that was when there was cause for the Todah sacrifice. And what you would do is you would pull in your friends and your family, and you would feast. right? And You would bless everything on that table, and bless God for giving it to you. And then what would follow were prayers of thanksgiving and songs of thanksgiving. And so when we fast forward to the Last Supper, one of the things we find is it's not just a Passover meal, it's a Todah meal. It has all the elements of the Todah sacrifice. right? It's about slowing down. It's about remembering right, what God has done, that we have been saved, those of us who are in Christ. Our life has been spared and and giving thanks for that. In fact, Jesus does something very interesting. He actually takes Todah to another level because he doesn't just thank God for what God has done in the past. He does, but not just the past and not just the present, but he thanks God for what he's going to do in the future. This is a 360-degree gratitude, a, a, a lifestyle generosity of gratitude and thankfulness he says, thank God for everything, past, present, future. And then he says this, and whenever you eat or drink, do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat or drink. Right? When you're together, do this. Thank God. Don't forget. Don't remember, or don't, don't cease to remember all that God has done for you and all he is doing for you and all he's going to do for you. And, and here's what I would just put on the table this morning. Uh, <clears throat> gratitude right living this this toda way of life gratitude is the turnkey for amazement and wonder and joy right but entitlement is the kill switch if you want to make sure that you do not live in a place of amazement of wonder of joy just keep living like you're entitled more than you have and forget to thank God for that stuff and, and I, I would test this Right, because I know this is true, the people I know. The people who are the most alive and the most joyful are also the people who are, are the most thankful for what they have. And the opposite is also true. Some of the most unhappy, miserable, angry people that I know are, are the least grateful. In fact, I would submit to you that you will never meet a person who is arrogant and proud and bitter or angry who is always expressing gratitude because that person doesn't exist. Those two things cannot coexist, right? Gratitude forces all those things out. It works it uh, out of our system, which is why this is so important. But, 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 this is not where where we drift. It takes work and intentionality. I was listening to a, a podcast here probably about six months ago. Uh, with Richard Rohr, who's a, a Catholic Franciscan theologian, scholar. And they're talking about where we are at with neuroscience right now. And how now, through, through neuroscience, we can actually scientifically see, visually, the impact of negative things to the human mind and positive, beautiful, true things to the human mind. It's so fascinating. This is what they, they have found. When you and I see something or experience something negative... Think about the ugly stuff, the dark stuff, just anything negative. Instantaneously, it leaves an imprint on the human mind. We can visually see this scientifically. But when it comes to things that are, that are positive and true and beautiful, it doesn't work the same way. In fact, in order for it to make an imprint on the human mind, you, we actually have to stop and reflect on that thing and, and behold it uh, for at least 15 seconds. For it to make any mark at all. All Right? So the negative stuff is like Velcro. You and I, it sticks. No matter whether we are mindful of it or not. It's just a part of this. It has an impact on us. But the good stuff, the true stuff, the beautiful stuff, the stuff that we have to be grateful for, that stuff does not. That's like Teflon. And so it takes work. And so I just want you to think about this. If you live your life like most Americans, and you're just busy... You're not necessarily involved in doing horrible stuff, bad stuff, and just stuff. You're just busy marching through life, doing your work, and you never slow down. At the end of the week, what does your brain look like, right? If you didn't stop down and slow down and be grateful and recognize it and dwell on that thing and thank God slowly, mindfully, at the end of that, that week, the Velcro on your brain, I mean, you've got just negative. It's just negative, negative, negative. And all the positive stuff is just in one ear and out the other. It has very little impact to your mind. All right, so I, this has kind of been like you know, on the brain now for like six months for me. It's just like thinking about this and trying to, trying to be reactive and responsive to it. And, and so <clears throat> a few weeks ago, I was dropping my daughters off uh, for school, which I do uh, pretty much every day. You know, it's that moment where it's just like, hey, love you. Have a great day. I'm so proud of you. Uh, see you after school. You know, and they slam the door and I drive off. And I was getting ready to do that one day, and, and it, this struck me. I was like, no, I need to sit here. I need to, I need to soak this in, the beauty in this moment, what I have to be grateful for in this moment. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Dads, oh, man, <laughs> allergies. Uh, I watched them walk up to school, and they're bouncing, you know, high-fiving friends, you know, hugging teachers, uh, skipping uh, turning around to wave, you know, repeatedly, you know, and I just thought, man, i got to soak this up because soon they're going to be 14 and I'm going to be the dumbest person in the world to them, you know. Dad doesn't know nothing. And so I did this, and it's just like, that was one of the first experiences of my day, and it changed, like, my whole spirit for that day, starting in a place of gratefulness. And now I, I do it every time, every single time, and I'm sure it makes all the parents nuts sitting behind me in their cars, but I just got to. You know, and this is just, just, just to put some flesh on this for you, this is the power. I mean, it changes my day. It changes the way that I, 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 I react to things throughout my day. It, it starts, you start to tune in to all the things that you have to be grateful for, right? You start to have an eye for it, and it changes you. This is, I'm telling you, this is the turnkey for worship, for joy and wonder and thankfulness. So this morning what I want to do is just create a moment, a moment for us to do that together, to practice together a little bit of this, of slowing down, of remembering all that we have to be thankful for. Right? And to worship as a result. To thank God with intentionality and mindfulness. Right? And it's Thanksgiving week, which means you were probably more mindful and thankful this week than most weeks of the year. But we're right off to Christmas now, aren't we? Right? The music is playing. Things are ramping up. It's busy. We've already started our holiday shopping. And it just, everything speeds up from here. And what I want to do for us as a community is, that, is start pumping the brakes and be like, no, 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 no. Like not not this Advent season, not this Christmas. Uh, I'm not going to let the beautiful things, the good things, the true things, the things I need to be grateful for, just in ear one out, in one ear out the other. Not be mindful, not slow down and thank God as I'm called to. Mir- Miroslav uh, Wolf said this. He said, "There's something profoundly incongruous between the gratitude of the Thanksgiving Thursday and the Black Friday's mad rush to acquire." Black Friday seems to have been designed to ensure our sense of gratitude doesn't spill over from Thanksgiving into our ordinary life. That seemed true. So I don't want to do that this morning. So what I want to do is to participate in the spirit of Torah in the way that Jesus instituted in the early church. And that is to take communion uh, together. To spur one another on, not just toward love and good deeds, but for, to gratitude and to thankfulness, right, to cultivate a sense of wonder and joy and amazement. Uh, I love this. Uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, he said this, and he was uh, one of the leading Jewish theologians and philosophers of the 20th century. So, so good. And the band, you guys can come up as I read this. He said, wonder rather than doubt is the root of all knowledge. Never once in my life did I ask God for success or wisdom or power or fame? I asked for wonder, and he gave it to me. He said, our goal should be to live life in radical amazement. All right, get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. I love that. Right, it's such a... Many find this, not just Old Testament, not just through rabbis and Hebrew scholars, but all throughout the New Testament as well. It's like the, the church, the early church was like, oh, we can't lose this. We need to be in this, which is why Paul over and over and over says things like this. Ephesians 5, 19 through 20. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 15-17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be Thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we're going to enter into a time of worship taking communion, a time of Todah, of Thanksgiving. And if you're a guest with us, you're fully invited to to participate in communion. You don't have to be a member here to do that. You're part of the body, part of the same big extended family of Jesus. Uh, And if you've never been and done communion with us at Mosaic before, the way we do it is to take a piece of bread, which is symbolic of Jesus' body that was broken for you on the cross. And you dip it in the wine, which is symbolic of Jesus' blood that was poured out for you on the cross. All right, so if you would mosaic, let's stand and take communion together.